Born in North Carolina, based in Bellingham, Washington. Broadcast on WHUPLP. This is Dirty White Belt Radio. Innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it. Make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight, fight. This is Dirty White Belt Radio, stories about jiu-jitsu life and culture. Gustavo Dantas is a fifth-degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and a former black belt world champion. He's also a certified mental and life coach, and we talked with him about his efforts as the BJJ mental coach, where he helps jiu-jitsu competitors become more emotionally mature, overcoming those mental blocks that can prevent you from performing to the best of your abilities, both on and off the mats. He's also the founder of a jiu-jitsu nonprofit, Live Jiu-Jitsu, that we talked to him about as well. We'll get to that featured interview in a few minutes, but we have a few bonus interviews from IBJJF World Championships last month. Both of them feature regular Purple Belt competitors, Ryan Homer of Diego Bispo Academy and Bryce Lighthall, who trains under Bruno Malfassini with Alliance. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Google Play so you don't miss anything. And if you want to get a hold of us to suggest future show topics, you can email jeff at dirtywhitebelt.com or get at us on Instagram at dirtywhitebelt or on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash cagesideradio. Hey, Betsy O'Donovan. Yes, Jeff Shaw. You know I'm a big fan of the right bag for the right purpose. I am, in fact, aware of your giant bag collection. It's true. I do have a lot of bags. But my favorite new bag is this one I got from Gold BJJ, which I've been taking to training, which I've been taking on hikes, and which I've been taking around town, even for grocery shopping. It's got features that make it perfect for all of those things, including the one thing I'm a big fan of, which is this expandable gi pouch so that after training, when your gi is wet, you can keep it separated and your gi stays wet and nasty while everything else in your your bag stays dry and clean. <laughs> Another great thing about the bag is that listeners of Dirty White Belt get a discount. Just go to goldbjj.com and enter Dirty White Belt 10 at checkout. Don't forget the Gold BJJ guarantee. Every product they make, including this backpack, their geese, their soap, is guaranteed for a year. They have a no hassle, no questions asked, return exchange and guarantee policy. If I'm being really honest, I actually love this bag too. So um, instead of fighting over it, I think I'm going to get another one. Well, you can get your own at goldbjj.com. Just don't forget to enter Dirty Wet Belt 10 at checkout. Thanks to Gold BJJ, and thanks to all of you for supporting the companies that support this show. Ryan Homer of Diego Bispo Academy is an active, rising competitor on the Purple Belt scene. It's hard to win Purple Belt matches at Adult Worlds, but I was able to watch Ryan do just that and catch him right after. Here's Ryan Homer talking to me at IBJJF Worlds. So I'm sitting here with Ryan Homer from the Diego Bispo Academy. You've just finished your first ever world championship in Purple Belt. How do you feel out there? I feel great. I feel really good. I cut a couple pounds. It was, um, I cut about 15 pounds in about a month. So I felt strong out there, competing at a different weight category, but I definitely enjoyed it. It was super fun. We'll talk about your matches in a second, but mostly I want to talk about putting that weight back on because in my experience, that is the best part of weight cutting. Oh, for sure, for sure. Can't wait to go to In-N-Out Burger and get, get a big animal-style burger. So what, what, what did you, you You already ate an acai bowl, anything else? Uh, a couple cheese breads, too. So your first match, uh, you wind up, uh, you're, you're up on points for much of the match. You wind up finishing by bow and arrow choke in just like a few seconds left. Was it always your goal to go for the finish? Because you see a lot of guys get up on points and yeah, right out the clock. Of course, of course. I always want to go to the finish. Um, these guys out here are so technically like and smart and just love to play the point game. And, of course, they're going for the finish too, but I also want to get to the finish before they can even score points on me. But, um Besides that, like I just wanted to play smart. I didn't want to. I didn't want to go out there and be too crazy and explode and lose my positions. Yeah, it looked like you controlled position for most of the match. You, you end up fighting from guard 
had the guy caught in an omoplata mm-hmm. for a long, long time, mm-hmm. and it looked like you were trying to finish the omoplata rather than use it as a sweep. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah. Um, actually, Cachino taught me a nice omoplata set up from there, and I was trying to stretch my leg across to the opposite leg. I almost got there. I just forgot to skip my hips out and get it a little bit more tighter. <laughs> so he ends up rolling to get out of that omoplata. You come on top mm-hmm. and have taken his back. And uh, was there? Did you? When did you know the choke was on to finish? Um, when I jumped to the other side, so he rolled and shrimped into me, and I jumped to the other side, and I fed for the uh, opposite collar for the cross choke on the back, and uh, I felt I felt it pretty deep in. I was already threatening an Ezekiel choke from there too. So, so you kind of gave him a choice between yeah. two two options. Uh huh. Yeah. Exactly. And it was definitely definitely like a guy was super tough. I looked him up. He's a tough MMA fighter, like super technical guy. Like, I'm glad I did super good against him. Yeah, yeah, you could tell he was a really tough guy and did not want to tap and, no. uh, and gave you a ton of, of, of problems early, early in the match with his physicality. Mm-hmm. Were you nervous at all before you went out there? Oh, of course. This is my first world. I was like, this is where the best of best comes. And it was It was definitely tough. It was definitely fun. Um, definitely got the jitters had to go sit in the sauna for a little bit but after after that i was like i'm on weight i'm good i can i can do this <laughs> did, did having diego i saw diego in your corner yelling for you did, did that ease your nerves at all oh, yeah. for how, sure how much does diego help oh a ton um he's like i love training with them like i love my other instructors like of course i've had other instructors they've helped me a lot but I like Diego a lot because he's been there, done that. He's he's part of the. He's still actively competing. Competing. He's competing tomorrow. Hopefully Sunday. See him there Sunday. That would be cool. But um, I like definitely. He's helped me a lot. Gave me a lot more experience than than I could ever imagine. Yeah, you mentioned uh, learning from Osvaldo Cachino uh, mm-hmm. earlier, and like Diego, as part of the team, he's a part of Aries BJJ is trained mm-hmm. with. Cachino, Samir Chantre, Mm -hmm. all these like really, really powerful names in the Jiu-Jitsu world. And so Mm -hmm. I'm sure he brings those insights to class. Oh, for sure. So um, it was about, I think, a couple months ago, Cachino came and was super good. And then I loved, I took a private from him, got some cool lapel stuff and umoplatas from lapel. So definitely been adding that in my game and definitely love training there and with the Aries team. Super fun. So your second match, you drew a really, really tough Otto Sky. Oh, yeah, super tough. <laughs> yeah, those guys, and, and I mean, you could tell he wanted Durambolo uh-huh. early on, and but like his setups, I thought, were really pretty slick. Yeah, they were very slick. Uh, I felt him going to, I was going to try to go for uh, like an angle pick when he pulled, started off with two points, but um, he got in that Baron, that De La Hiva knocked me down Barambolo's position, and I was, I was like... Titan. Oh, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things like being caught in somebody's A game where it's like, okay, I, yeah. now now we're now we're swimming uphill. Uh huh. Exactly. But still, I mean, it's tough. Like these mm-hmm. days, the adult purple belt division at the worlds mm-hmm. is full of monsters. And to, you know, especially at your first your first worlds, mm-hmm. to win to win a match has to be feel great. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, definitely. And um, before training, I trained at uh, Carlson Gracie South Bay, and um, a lot of the Vikings, Norwegian guys like Tommy Lanker. And that, and Espen Mateus came in, and I was training with Gutierrez Barbosa. I think he got second last year. He got second at Pans this year. Um, super good. He was training with them, and definitely helped me. Gave me a little bit more of confidence booster, and, and for sure it was fun. So how many matches do you think your sister Sarah Homer would win at the world? Zero. <laughs> She's too claustrophobic. She doesn't like to be touched. <laughs> so, so it's probably better that she does the cross. Yeah. <laughs> no, no disrespect, though. No disrespect. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So it sounds like you're excited to come back to the worlds next oh, year. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, definitely want to come back. Definitely want to come back stronger and put a more more of a challenge for everybody than I did this time. Do you have any other big competition plans you want to tell us about? Um, at the end of the year, I want to do Nogi Worlds, definitely. Um, Pan Ams, for sure. Try to get the Pan Ams on uh, for Nogi, too. Uh, I want to kind of break through my Nogi, start to go through my Nogi scene right now. Um, that was going to be my next fight. 
Oh, the champion. Oh, wow. <laughs> We've just watched the end of Ryan's division. I just got no. completely distracted. No, no, that's the, that's the thing about Worlds, is yeah. that there's always something interesting going on, yeah. and there are no soft spots in yeah. these divisions anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, definitely, I want to definitely start to get into my no gear more. Um, hopefully, try to do an ADCC, get into there and see how it goes. Is there anything I haven't asked about that you wish I would have asked about, or anything that you think the listeners should know about you, or about your team, or about your academy? Um, Diego Bisbo and Aries team is a great team. Like for sure, there's like a whole bunch of tough people there. Everybody wants to train hard. Everybody wants to. Everybody wants to challenge each other, and it's not. It's not a slack team. Everybody's super, super tough and super athletic. Like, and it's like for it's like it's not forced, but it's like people. People get accustomed to it. And it's, it's a culture of toughness. Yeah, a culture of toughness, and it's definitely, definitely helped me a lot. Well, Ryan, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today, and congrats on a great first performance at the world. Thank you, sir. Thank you. U.S. Grappling comes back to Richmond on July 28th. Richmond is always one of my favorite places to visit and to compete. Tons of great gyms there. Seth Smith's Upstream BJJ, Richmond BJJ with Eric Burdo and Liz Susson, and of course Revolution BJJ featuring such luminaries as Andrew Smith, Daniel Charles Frank, Trey Martin, Jarrett Church, many, many others. All of those folks are likely to be on the scene July 28th when U.S. Grappling returns to Richmond. Plus, all your friends from the DMV usually come down as well as everybody from the Triangle, from Wilmington, really tough grapplers from North Carolina. It's a great spot to train with and compete against people that you don't always get the chance. So come out and have the best tournament experience around at usgrappling.com. Register early to save some money and to make the tournament run smoother. Hopefully we'll see you there. Bryce Lighthall has been a good friend of mine for years, and he was one of my toughest training partners and competitors when we were both in North Carolina. We've both moved on from there, but Bryce continues to travel around the world competing and improving. I talked to him about what it was like to see his legendary coach win a 10th world title and retire on the mat. I then talked to him about his own competition schedule and about some of the things we have in common. We're both plant-based athletes with a passion for craft beer. Here's my talk with Bryce Lighthall, which covers all of those things. So we're talking to Bryce Lighthall. Bryce, a lot of people from North Carolina remember you from your time on the competition scene down there. Now You've been training now with uh, the, the world-class great Alliance Black Belt Bruno Malfacini for several years. Yep. And so you've just competed at the Worlds. Um, so what have you been up to since you left North Carolina? Uh, more jiu-jitsu than even when I was in North Carolina, which I was training all the time there. Um, I've uh, been training six days a week. One thing that has changed is I've been doing yoga pretty consistently. Um, one of the things when I stopped running competitively um, that I, I didn't do well was I stopped stretching and I stopped strength training. When I moved to North Carolina, I strength trained a lot more and almost got to lightweight. Um, but yoga um, and uh, a lot of dynamic stretching has been super helpful. So yeah, and, and so you did yoga and dynamic stretching. You were a competitive distance runner, right? Yeah, yeah. Ran for an Olympic development team out of the Bay Area, um, uh, Adidas Transports, and uh, had a, a pretty successful career running. Um, and then jujitsu was like my like essentially. I don't know my bridge to to fill that that gap of competitiveness that I've. You can't get rid of. Why jujitsu? It seems like ju- running to jujitsu is a bit of an odd jump. But like, what what got you interested? I had a friend in college that had done a bunch of martial arts. He had done jujitsu, so I'd always known about it. I always thought it was really cool that you could have a martial art where you don't have to hit somebody, but you could essentially put them in a neutralized position. Um, that's how I got in- introduced to it. But the way I actually started doing it was um, Nicole, my wife, um, uh, she found a, a person that she knew that had a gym and um, I got invited to train there and she's like, I think you should do it. I was like, okay, cool. And I literally did not stop training. I probably trained six to seven days a week from the time I started um, training. So yeah, that, that, was, that was how it got going. Jiu-Jitsu is addictive, I think, for everyone, but especially for competitive people because there's always that challenge, whether it's you challenging yourself or you're having tournament competitions against other folks. And you've always been a very active competitor from the beginning. Is that right? Yeah, I competed literally like three months in. And I had a, a coach who was very into competing and I'd say the first two and a half years of my training, it was literally just rolling some technique, but mostly just rolling like a lot. And so I was very comfortable with 
with that. And when I started competing, um, uh, I, I just, I, I couldn't stop. Like, and I've competed. I got my purple belt in January and I've competed as of yesterday or as of fr Friday 10 times since I got my, uh, 10 tournaments since I got my purple belt um, in January. So it's, it's obviously something that I love doing. And you still compete in the adult division, competing here at the adult world championships, even though you, you do qualify for masters, not to date you. Yeah, no, no, it's, I'm proud of it. I, I'm proud to be 37 years old as of March, and I mean, I still get on the podium regularly in IBJJF Opens in the adult division. I try to only compete at my age division at Master Worlds in Pans, um, uh, the Orlando um, IBJJF uh, Open. I'll be competing in my age division there. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, like a adult for me, I'm still, I still feel like I belong there. Um, you know, only a few people belong at the top at the worlds. So to say, cause you're not going to be there. You don't compete at the adult level. I, I think that that's short. It it's, a it's, it's shorting a lot of people's efforts that I think stay in the master division where if they went to the adult division. They might surprise themselves. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about um, maintaining physical ability at that level because we already sort of hinted at it. You know, you were a runner. Yeah. Uh, you stopped doing yoga for a while but are now back yeah. on the yoga strength training deal. What yeah. does your training regimen like to keep the body competing at this level? I have a pretty clean diet. Um, I give myself like, I would call it like one cheat meal a week. Um, but my diet's a, a huge part of it. I've had a plant-based diet since 95 or 6, I think. Uh, so over 20 years, um, and uh, I actually, as a runner, didn't do the plant-based diet as healthy as I could have, and now I do it extremely healthy. I'm very like good about all of the, the, the essential fatty acids, DHA, um, uh, leucine, a lot of the stuff that people, I think, miss. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I think that my diet is a huge part of my ability to stay injury-free and stay healthy and still be... I think competitive at the adult level. As a lot of people that listen to the podcast know, I'm also plant-based, and so I, I find it helps me keep light, keep strong. It, it helps me feel like I'm eating clean a lot of the yeah. time. And uh, I also take, a, but one thing I'm interested to, to ask you about, you mentioned some of the essential nutrients. Do you take supplements in addition to just eating clean plant-based? Yes. Yeah, I, uh, I recently, I've always done well about my omegas, um, uh, but I recently brought in DHA, which is one of the few things that you actually cannot get as of a few years ago, um, from my understanding, from anything but a meat source, uh, you get all, almost all of your um, uh, your ALA, ALAs and um, help me with the other one. I sound terrible. Anyways, all the omegas, there's a bunch of them. Uh, but DHA is the one for brain and, and vision, um, but they found a way to, to pull it from kelp. And they did this because a lot of women, um, uh, when they're having babies, uh, were getting a lot of mercury exposure because they were taking, taking DHA. And so a lot of them fish unfortunately have mercury in them and so this is a better way for them to get it so. so so ordinarily if it were someone that had made the transition from either a meat-based diet to plant-based diet or from vegetarian to vegan i would ask like what kind of differences have you seen but it sounds like you've been plant-based mostly for for the last couple of decades i have and for me but one thing that i have noticed is i wasn't great about ironically eating vegetables like i i a lot of times I just supplement with um uh vitamins and i did it like the way a lot of people did eat a lot of carbs uh, and got my beans or got my or got my protein from a carbohydrate base, which is beans usually. Um, and so for me, uh, you know, I added a lot of different stuff in, and uh, I did bring eggs back in periodically. Um, I'd say my diet is probably 85% plant-based, considering that you know eggs and dairy aren't. Um, but yeah, I mean vegetables and making it uh, deeper and darker the color is my understanding. The better the nutrients, so I try really hard to make sure that I need a lot of reds and greens that are like very dark speaking of nutrition and recovery um we we got to talk about the real recovery beverage which is craft beer ah and so you and i are uh you know we want to talk about the good vibes crew shout out to sure. those guys sure so like what is the best like, you know so you, you you've actually been off the craft beer while training for the world yeah yeah i, I was off for about six weeks and uh actually I, I i drank a little more consistently in north carolina uh because i actually didn't start drinking until i was about 30 um, uh, and uh, so it was kind of exciting for me. I was drinking a lot, um, not too much, but still probably, you know, cardio-wise, it was affecting me, I think, when I started going for, like, one to two times a week. So now what I do is I don't do any shelfies, really. I don't do any, like, 
basic beers anymore. Like I pretty much only get beers that are special and important because then I use them once, twice, three times a month, maybe uh, kind of like as a celebratory thing, kind of like as a cheat meal type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, what's your what are what are the top five or your top three? What are you, what are your top five favorites over the last year? Man, uh, you know it, it's it, it's hard to say. I, I've been in uh, Central Florida for a while, so I've been a lot of a lot of Cigar City stuff, a lot of Jay Wakefield, um, Big Papa, Barrel Age, um, Imperial Style from uh, Jay Wakefield, probably one of my top favorites. Um, Toppling Goliath had a very good um, uh, Barrel Age Imperial Stout. I'm very, I guess, uh, uniform with my selections, but uh, I also also really 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 like uh i had a couple of hazy ipas from uh or new england or northeastern ipas from uh the hat that i have on civil society brewing company uh they're incredible um but yeah so all florida beers right now that are my faves so do you remember any north you know north carolina we 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 aren't known for our imperial stouts unfortunately Mm -hmm. although we should be but do you uh do you have any favorite north carolina beers that you remember yeah thick freakness uh thick freakness from uh Steel String Brewery, uh, they do incredible uh, barrel aged. Um, also, I forgot that that brewery out by um, uh, Goldsboro. Um, uh, oh, the uh, Mother Earth. Yeah, they have. I think it's called something seasonal sounding, like Midnight Sun or something. But they their barrel aged Imperial Stout was so surprising because a tiny brewery. Not really known for doing barrel aged beers, and I was really, really, really shocked with it. But uh, what was the one? Was it Sexual Chocolate? Yes, Foothills. Yeah, Foothills. Their, their Imperial Stout was incredible and barrel aged, and very surprising to me as well because uh, they don't really have like I don't think they have any shelf stouts. I think they have a porter. Um, but yeah, that's that, that that beer was incredible. Are you a sour beer guy or not? Yeah, I love sour beers. It's not something I chase after, but when I have them, I definitely enjoy them. Because you mentioned Steel String, and Steel String makes a, a dill pickle goza. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were one of the first people to hit gozas before gozas really started to like become, you know, kind of a, a, a hip trend. And uh, gozas, I think, are still popular, but they faded out. But they they seem to be very strong with it and uh, getting notoriety. I've seen people trade it down in Florida as well, so. Since it is a jiu-jitsu podcast, we should close up by asking a few jiu-jitsu questions. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm curious, you know, you, you, you know Bruno Malfasini, as we sit, is competing uh, for his 10th world title. Um, what is the most important thing? If you could boil it down to one insight that you've gotten from Bruno, what do you think the most important thing Bruno's the thing that Bruno will tell The thing that Bruno will tell everybody um, is you have to make sure that you have a, a game plan that's consistent with your style and what you do, and you have to stick to it, and you have to make sure that you get to your spot first. It's very commonly said by a lot of people, um, but I think people don't stress it in training, and it's something that Bruno harps on all the time. And... Um, Evolving. Evolving is something really big. There's a lot of high-level black belts that are really good at certain things, um, but Bruno, fortunately, is really good at everything. There's not one area that he hasn't tried to be good at, where I think sometimes people just stay with their strengths. Um, you know, Bruno has, has put it on display a little bit today, but, I mean, some of the stuff he's been working on is different than what he's been doing for the last few years, so it's been cool to kind of watch him prepare for this and watch him change and intentionally change so i mean that's a big part but consistency so other than bruno what jiu-jitsu athletes do you watch for inspiration if any lucas lucas lepri uh no doubt about it i mean him and bruno are i think two of the most sincere genuine people in jiu-jitsu truly nice you know and also really really exceptional athletes and it's nice when you have both because it's hard you know when you're a very well-recognized athlete. It's very hard to not stay humble with both of those guys. I mean, they're, 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 the, they're the, the sweetest guys in the world and also, I think, two of the best people in jiu-jitsu, period. It is always wonderful when you meet someone that you admire as an athlete and understand that they are admirable in other ways as well. Yeah, no, for, for sure. And, and that goes with everything, you know, any job, any sport, you know. So I, I think we're very fortunate to have a lot of really solid ambassadors in jiu-jitsu. So it's, it's definitely a, a positive sport to be a part of. Any fond memories from North Carolina you want to close out with? Jordan Lake. Jordan Lake with my dog. Uh, I, I, Tough to beat Jordan Lake with the dog, Honestly, man. like, I mean, there, there's literally, there, there, there's a couple of things that stand out about it. It's just a fantastic place to go. Awesome. Very easy. I would sometimes go there before I went to jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu or after, um, just because it was such a, an awesome place. But, yeah, and, and, and open mats. The, the one nice thing about North Carolina that I really remember is kind of, a real open door policy no matter where you went and and that is truly unique to anywhere i think it's weird when they leave 
North Carolinians leave to go somewhere else and they're shocked they have to pay a mat fee and that's the norm. The norm is to pay a mat fee, come train, get some technique, uh, but the, the open door policy in North Carolina was always really nice. It's something that I think is really special and like even even other than the mat fee, you go a lot of places you're not allowed to train. If, if, Could, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we all know stories of that happening to people, you know, and it's, it's you know, protective. Well, Bryce, any, uh, anything I haven't asked about that you really wish I would have asked about or anything you want folks to know? No, man. I mean, I'm just uh, excited for, uh, you know, carrying on. Uh, um, I have two really great sponsors, uh, um, Lanky Jiu-Jitsu. Um, you find them at rollamongus.com. Um, and Lazy Lover Jiu-Jitsu, very awesome. Got fantastic women, women's lines, uh, very, like, forward-thinking with, you know, progressive jiu-jitsu. And, you know, they really push a lot of, you know, up-and-coming athletes and, and, and a lot of really solid women athletes, too, which I think is really great for a company to be doing. So, yeah. Two, yeah, two of the best companies in jiu-jitsu. Check them out. Awesome. Bryce Lighthall, it's awesome talking to you again. Thank you, buddy. It's not a huge secret that I'm somebody that loves a cool gi, and let me tell you, Toro BJJ has really outdone themselves this time. They collaborated with Deus Fight Company to produce a gi that not only looks sick, it benefits Dewan Owens' Fighting for Uganda project. Fighting for Uganda is a nonprofit that teaches self-defense, MMA workshops, and also fights gender-based violence in Africa. You can listen to a couple of interviews with Dewan on this show talking about this very project, and you'll see why it's such a worthy cause. And when you see this gi, which you can see by going to our Facebook page, you will be impressed and you will want one, I guarantee it. Mine is in the mail. I think I was the first person to order. If you want to be one of the first people to order, or at least you don't want to miss out on this limited edition gi, you can email Janine Cohn at Janine, J-A-N-I-N-E, at deusfight.com, that's D-E-U-S fight.com, to get your Fighting for Uganda gi. You'll be glad you did. Thanks to Bryce for speaking with me. It was always a great time training with Bryce back in North Carolina. And speaking of North Carolina, for you locals, I want to invite you to join the great folks at Team Hoist Gracie Southern Pines for the Ian Matuzak Memorial Foundation Rollathon on July 15th. This raises funds for a wonderful charity that supports and enables adaptive jiu-jitsu athletes all over the world. The facility has a huge mat space across three rooms. I've trained there a lot at Hoist Gracie Southern Pines, and it's a great space. On July 15th, they'll also have extremely cool raffle items and things you can buy from Hickson Gracie, Henzo Gracie, Shanji Hibero, and more. There's a suggested $15 donation at the door, which benefits the Ian Matuzak Foundation. We'll post a link in the comments of the show so you can learn more. I've admired Gustavo Dantas for years. He and Hobson Mura taught one of the very first seminars I ever attended, and you can really tell that he's a person who spent 20 years coaching and competing at the highest levels. It was his mental coaching that I specifically wanted to ask him about. One common theme among many of the athletes that I talk to is mental strength and resilience. I wanted to talk to a professional about how he advises people on improving this critical aspect of the game. We had a wide-ranging conversation, which also touched on his nonprofit project, Live Jiu-Jitsu. Without further ado, here's our conversation with Gustavo Dantas. So, um, so you've just started your podcast. Is it the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast? Yes. And you were telling me a little bit before we started the conversation about, mm-hmm. although you obviously Jiu-Jitsu will be a part of it, you mm-hmm. have other passions that you bring to bear in this podcast as mm-hmm. well. Yes, and main thing, of course, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, personal development, entrepreneurship. So we're looking into entrepreneurs who train jiu-jitsu and small business owners and also aspiring entrepreneurs, people who are in transition, people who maybe have just a regular job, corporate job, or they're not satisfied and they're looking into the possibility of changing careers and not even start a business. And I, I feel that, um, I mean, this is new, I just recently started and I feel that there's a lot of good people and to share knowledgeable content in jiu-jitsu. Entrepreneurs who make a living through jiu-jitsu as well. Like or my, my first two episodes with uh, Vince Kirugwa from, from Shoei Roll and Seth Daniels from Fight to Win, which is really awesome. So they share about their journey, uh, the struggles, you know, the overcoming, and, uh, and everyone always have a, some main value to, to drop. Like, for example, with Seth, was talking about uh, authenticity and entrepreneurship. And then the, the, 
like the link of both. So we always try to get a different topic. So I'm super excited. It's probably about uh, 20% jiu-jitsu, 80% not jiu-jitsu, but still growth involved. And we just talk about mindset too, even from the moment of when someone maybe had the spark to start their entrepreneurial journey <laughs> and ask you, how was your mindset back then? How was to overcome the fear of maybe changing careers or trying, uh, trying something new? So I'm super excited. Just started, but I feel that uh, I feel gonna have a lot of people interested in, in that topic. That's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is your status as the BJJ mental coach because you know the, we always talk about the mental aspect of jujitsu, but that certainly applies to other aspects of life too. Absolutely, yeah. And so, what what do you think? If you could give one piece of advice to people who wanted to improve their mental toughness, who wanted to improve their mental resilience, or like what, what's the most common theme that you think people should improve upon? People have a lot of different approaches. I'm a I'm a big fan of jiu-jitsu competitions as a personal development tool. I think everyone who is listening and has tried a tournament before you know how much you get to understand about, get to know about yourself when you're in an under-pressure situation and a one-on-one, like, oh man, the anxiety to feel and all that stuff, how are you going to handle all that? So since my experience was early in my career and struggle a lot with a competition anxiety I felt that as I start to learn more and and learn more about the mental side of it I started to share with my students and little by little um, just started doing more but I feel that uh, that helped me to discover a lot of different patterns that was holding me back in different areas of my life personal or professional you maybe have uh, just a quick example I always had this uh, perfectionism pattern which can be good or bad depending on different things but I noticed that when I started to study more the mental side I saw how perfectionism was holding me back in jiu-jitsu you know and next thing I started realizing that perfectionism was holding me back in business and sometimes my personal life too I don't know if maybe even some of the listeners can relate with this but 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 the perfectionism was even simple things like, oh no, when this year happens, when this year's good, and then I'll do this. And when it's this year, and then I'll do that. So I'm always constantly waiting for the moment and it's not perfect yet. And sometimes that's how we end up procrastinating. You know, and just like, oh no, I need one more thing. And this is just one example. And then of course it started like fear, failure, fear of you know, losing a tournament. That could be the fear failure or fear of going after maybe starting a new business, but the fear failure is right there. So when you stop to really analyze a lot of the negative patterns that might be holding you back in competition, it could, not necessarily it is, but it could. In my case, there's a lot of them. And uh, negative patterns, they don't disappear. We learn how to control them. We just have to be self-aware and be able to self-regulate your thoughts. So I feel that competition, I feel that it's a great way. It's a great personal development tool. For That's why I would mention every jiu-jitsu practitioner should compete at least once. Just like, hey, how this is, how is this feeling, how to go through the process. And But really pay attention at the mental during the preparation, during the day of how did you feel, you know, all that stuff. And I feel that people have talked too much about this in jiu-jitsu. So I did for the past few years, and now I just wanna just wanna talk about different stuff. And and I, since I love that, uh, not just the entrepreneurship and personal development, but inspire people to really challenge their mind and have different uh, challenges. You know, if that's entrepreneurial or if it's in jiu-jitsu, but just inspire people to make some changes. Mm-hmm. So when you work with people, like, is this mostly one-on-one coaching? Is this mostly like where you give them techniques, drills, suggestions, or how does the coaching take place generally? Well, currently, I have all my the digital coach. Basically, everything is all the products online. Mm-hmm. You know, I have some of, some of the courses and all the the products are digital. And I do have a high performance coaching that is not necessarily I don't do any mental coaching for athletes anymore. I have I have done in the past. And nowadays, a lot of the, the athletes, I just do maintenance with them, but I don't take on any new uh, athletes unless I really want to work with someone. But I do more the one-on-one high-performance coach. I only take like about three clients every three months because it's a 12-week session, 12, uh, 12, week, uh, 12 week 
plan and one would be essentially one hour per week and then we talk about different phases but it's nothing related to sport it can be used to sport it can be used to jujitsu business any area and that's what uh that's kind of the part that i that i like i love when i'm able to help someone with jujitsu and on they uh they and i'll be able to see the results awesome but it's even better when they use that information and transfer it to the personal professional that that's what really excites me that's why i wanted to go more towards the this area of making more impact than just uh was just uh, um yeah that's basically just getting people to uh to challenge your mind and uh, use a different approach use jujitsu with a with a different approach this is part of what fascinates me about what you do and that like for for two reasons so like first of all i've always thought of jujitsu as sort of a metaphor for the way we live our lives mm-hmm. and the way that we constantly should try to improve and challenge ourselves but also i think everybody listening knows someone who has all the tools like mm-hmm. physical and just for some reason has these things you know can't put it together or, or it holds them back sometimes we are those people right because yeah. we all have have flaws and so that's what what fascinates me is like to see folks about what you do is the I think that in jiu-jitsu and in life people don't pay as much attention to something as important as mental toughness mental mm-hmm. resilience and uh, and so I'm curious about what the courses like you know are these you know the online products that you offer like what are the focuses uh, in terms of like if I were to if I were to check one out what would I what would I get we have I have two main courses. One is the Mental Preparation Crash Course, which is a two-hour course. I feel that one is great for, like, even the week of the tournament. People still like, man, we have some of the doubts coming in, and how do I handle some of those those thoughts? And uh, and have the Inner Discovery for Outer Success, which is the same for tournament, but that one's tournament and life as well. So I'm always always trying to put the, the combination of both and that one is about three and a half hours that one is a little longer but uh, the idea is to the same uh, the mental preparation crash course is specifically jiu-jitsu really just talking about well, and the inner discovery is uh, <laughs> and the inner discovery just talk a little bit about more about I mentioned about tournament and stuff but always bringing that life you know what I mean next to it you know so people can Again, I love that uh, that idea of challenging your mind. You know, there's feel that man, something's not feeling right. Whatever that is, like let me investigate, let me read a book, let me listen to an audiobook or a podcast. You know, just constantly. That's one of the expression of Vince from Shoyerwo. He was using it to consistently sharpen your mind. You know, just open your mind for new things. Like man, maybe you listen to podcasts. Uh, maybe whatever good information you got it use it you know apply it whatever you don't and it's not related relatable to me that's fine don't use it but be constantly open your mind to different things you know you mentioned your passion for entrepreneurship and cited a couple of examples Vince from Show Your Roll Seth from Fight to Win and it's very exciting to see the growth of Fight mm-hmm. to Win you know that that's something that I think is super cool um, you must work with non-jujitsu entrepreneurs as well oh yeah that's uh Definitely, especially with the high-performance coaching. Yeah, I love that because, uh, yeah, it's cool with, with the jiu-jitsu, but I really love the challenge of working people in different, completely different field, you know, not necessarily jiu-jitsu. And the approach, honestly, it's, it's, it's going to be the same. I mean, it's, whether you're jiu-jitsu practitioner or not, and we're in a journey, you know, that journey of becoming the best version of ourselves. And so it doesn't matter if it's just jiu-jitsu and, uh, or whatever other sport. I mean, I like to work sometimes with different sports. I work with like a uh, surfer or a bodybuilder, you know, just kind of completely different, you know. And uh, yeah, this is um, definitely a passion that I'm now I'm like investing more time and I like the idea of this new project with a podcast it's, it's new and uh, but I'm, I'm excited I'm super excited it was fun when I'm done you know you've been doing the podcast for a while so we know, you know when you have a good interview like man that was awesome you know like, and you can and you know that information can help people mm-hmm. I mean that's the exciting part too you know? definitely 
So what is the, uh, you mentioned, you know, a couple different types of entrepreneurs. What's the most unusual type of entrepreneur that you've worked with, in your opinion? Uh, I have to think, I don't know if I have anything unusual, per se. Because sometimes, honest, I mean, I do like to work with entrepreneurs, but you can, to do high-performance coaching, I mean, you can do high-performance coaching with, maybe with a, a a mom, a housewife. We can do that. Like she wants to become more efficient. In what she does with her, you know, with the family, how she runs things, or have different, different goals. I mean, you can literally work with anybody, you know, and, and take their their mindset to a like a higher level, or someone is doing well to an even higher level. And I don't have, I don't think I have any, you know, that I can say like, oh, that that comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. Like completely different, you know. Most people, because of jujitsu, well. it's kind of like there's that jujitsu connection for most of them. But right now, I, and I don't, I don't take more than three every three months, just because um, I don't have the time, and I just want to make sure that I, whoever I do work with, I do have my, uh, do have my time, you know, to do everything I do and give the value to the person. So. Uh, Right now, I'm thinking more in bigger scale of reaching, reaching more people. That's why I chose the uh, this platform or using the podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one 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 last question about jujitsu performance. I know you know we've, we talked about competition anxiety. Mm-hmm. What is the biggest mistake that, or the most common mistake that you see people making in terms of dealing with their competition anxiety? Or if you want to look at it from the flip side, what's the the one step that somebody who suffers from that <laughs> could do to improve their mental performance how much time we got (laughs) (laughs) you know it's this is a it's a definitely a a challenging topic it's very very personal for for the listeners have a chance if you have not uh, watched or listened the list of the top 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them I, I create this list based on you know the things that I mess up in the past so I have on YouTube I can also go to the bjmetalcoach.com and you can download for free and uh, the first one that came on my mind is not necessarily I put from 1 to 10 but not necessarily order but a very common is uh, people make the mistake of focusing on the outcome of <laughs> um, just thinking about the result the next thing you get caught in a, in a little vicious cycle. There's a lot of the mistakes that happen at the same time. The next thing you're doing three or four together and you're spinning in, in, in a cycle and you just, uh, it's going to be tough. I'm not saying that you cannot win, but it's tough to be your best self when you're anxious and when you're not feeling right. You can win, but I'm saying like if your goal is be like here at the school to the competition, it's going to be challenging. And the best way to deal with this, there's another way around self-awareness. You have to become more self-aware of what's happening in your mind. And uh, I think it's just a quick thing that I can suggest. I like to, uh, maybe some of the, the listeners that know uh, the show Dexter, uh, there's maybe might have some fans out there, but he talks about the, the dark passenger, and I believe that we all have the, the dark passenger, that voice that lives in the it lives in your head and it's going to be with you it's going to be your roommate for the rest of your life it doesn't disappear but you learn how to control this voice and it starts with self-awareness because you can have and self-awareness is one of the pillars of the emotional intelligence and you can improve your emotional intelligence level without being self-aware of like knowing what is happening in your mind so as at at the moment that you you realize like okay I can see it I can see the negative thoughts coming one two three and now, the self-regulation part, that's another pillar of emotional intelligence. You have to flip that. you got to catch when it's happening. Um, right now, you know, we're at the, the Worlds 2018. One of, the, one of my students just mentioned, like, I'm going against the same girl that I lost, um, like, a month, um, I think it was a month ago, and she won the Worlds, and I don't know if I can beat so right there, there's there's so much going on that you have to question. Like, can you control the outcome? No, you can't control the outcome. So, um, can you control someone's resume? No, they already they won this. That's a fact. And I like to say, the fact cannot be changed. Only a response to the fact can be changed. You can address that. Yeah, 
she won the world. Stop right there. The problem not is coming right after the fact, the opinion. She won the world, and I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> like, just stop right there. Acknowledge that. Okay, yeah, she won, and you can take that from it. That's it. So all we're going to try to do is focus on your best moves and try to implement easing and said. But, I mean, this internal battle never ends and some people deal better with others period maybe some people that doesn't have any issues probably listen saying like i don't know what the hell he is talking about i don't have like god bless you good for you you know what i mean but uh, um and i relate with people because i always had difficulty with my anxiety could be competition anxiety social anxiety i have i always struggle with that so i do relate when people uh, with students that did struggle the only the only way that I start doing better that's when I start to become more self-aware of like what is what it's in my mind and I have a, a video that I put out there and there's a question for for the listeners to reflect to is do you think about what you think about think about that because when you stop to think about it, we got so much negativity in our head you know it's just it's just part of the human being naturally the, the brain is gonna kind of protect you try to protect you in a way and uh, yeah I feel that when you start becoming more self-aware is the first step like oh I see it now I gotta do something about this thought you gotta reevaluate that, that thought and reframe it to something positive and that takes practice and it's freaking exhausting you know bigger the challenge I mean louder is the voice and, and, and especially not just in jiu-jitsu but when you transition someone is you know, they, they're not happy they have a corporate job and they're like man I can't do this anymore I, you know but at the same time that's the anxiety of like I want to do something else but if I let this go I'm gonna my, lose my security my pay you know, what should I do so there's a lot of anxiety there sometimes people end up kind of freezing up and like and not making any decision and being not being satisfied so I, I, I hope this podcast can inspire people to that to challenge some of the thoughts to take some of the risks whatever growth it's involved they there will be there will be some anxiety some discomfort involved and no one's gonna make that decision for you you know you're the one you need to really swallow like okay feel that anxiety and one of the tips that that I personally have I figured this out a long time ago but for the listeners if you if you think about when sometimes you have an idea and then it doesn't come with anxiety or anything like that. It's like, yeah, I'm, whatever. I want to go to the go to a specific restaurant. Oh, no problem. I want to go there. No problem. Now, when you have a thought and an idea and comes with like a lot of anxiety, you're probably up to something good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's scaring you. And I started to kind of pay attention to this. That anytime I feel that anxiety coming, I'm having an idea and anxiety start getting stronger and stronger. I'm like, I gotta do it. Like, I know that I, I, I'm meant to do this. Uh, for, for instance, one of my uh, most recent ones with a podcast, I, I told, you know, some people, like, you don't think that I have negative thoughts about that? You know, about having a podcast? You know, my negative voice going to say, like, who the hell are you thinking that you can do a podcast? Who is going to listen to that? Who is that? that, that you, you know, it could be nonsense or whatever, but that's part of my internal battles that you know it gave me you know massive anxiety and then I, I was able to have that awareness of seeing like that's discomfort you know what I mean I have to do it so I had to push it through and I'm proud of myself you know of, of doing this and I want your listeners to think about that when I had that anxiety question don't run from it you know what I mean I'm not saying that any anything give you anxiety go ahead and do it but reevaluate and and think why exactly I'm not doing this it's just because it's discomfort and when you do it uh, and after that when you when actually take the sometimes some of those challenges I'm like oh, man it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be you know what I mean as far as anxiety and, and emotionally so I think the only tip I can give is just become more self-aware you know read books there's so just invest time there's so much free information on, on the internet you know like, ebooks or books or used books or free courses I just feel that people don't take advantage of those uh, 
there's right. free concerts there out there. So just giving a little plug for the BJJ Mental Coach to make sure the top 10 mental mistakes, whoever wants to stop, just go to the to the site and you can download on your phone for the audio or you can watch the, the video over there. In the comments of this show, we're going to post links to the BJJMentalCoach.com as well as the top 10 mental mistakes and how you can subscribe mm-hmm. to your new podcast. And so I'm sure people will find those resources super helpful. Is there anything I haven't asked about that you really wish I would have asked about or anything you really want the listeners to know? You know the only thing I would love to share is about I have a nonprofit organization called Live Jiu-Jitsu. So we, have, we help social projects in Brazil. have some in the U.S. There's not too many in the U.S., but most of my partnerships are in Brazil that we support by either new mats, we buy geese, uh, tournament registrations, because since I believe so much in the the benefits of the personal development competition, I do my best to uh, to get kids to compete in Brazil. The Brazilian Nationals, a couple weeks ago, we sponsored 30 kids. Now for the South American in July, we're planning on 100. Of course, it depends on how much money you can uh, raise or raise in different ways. So anyways, at the, it's livejitsu.org. And there you can donate money. You can buy the Live Jiu-Jitsu patch. Matter of fact, all the T-shirts and patches of the BJ Metal Coach, all the all the profit goes straight to Live Jiu-Jitsu. So it helps you uh, raise some more money. And now the world, I'm hoping to uh, get some competitors that want to donate their, their some of the high-level competitors. We did that last year. They donate their geese, and we can raise some more money. So I love to. Uh, that's one of my motivations for my. My podcast is to promote more live jiu-jitsu. So I think that's the one that's something that I, I would love people to, to check it out and just visit the website. Sounds like an incredible project. We'll post links to live jiu-jitsu as well. And uh, best of luck with everything. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much. really appreciate it. Hey, Betsy O'Donovan. Yes, Jeff Shaw. How do you like that new gi you've been wearing from Gold BJJ, the Calavera gi? I like it a lot, but I like the compliments I get when I'm wearing it even more. What do you like about it? So, it's a little bit like me. It's minimalist and clean on the outside and a little flashy on the inside. Uh, And what I mean by that is it has this really gorgeous rash guard liner. Um, The outside is super clean, white, ready to be all patched up. But on the inside, um, it has sugar skulls. And it's a super soft rash guard liner, but man, people really love it and they notice. And it makes me feel kind of fancy when I'm wearing it. The other thing I like about Gold BJJ is their no-hassle guarantee for a year. If anything goes wrong with the gear, if you're just dissatisfied with it, they'll take it back, no questions asked. I think that's a pretty good deal, and coming in at less than 100 bucks, I would buy this gi over and over. Plus, if you're a listener to this show, which you are because you're listening to the show, you can get a discount by entering Dirty White Belt 10 at checkout. So go to goldbjj.com, enter Dirty White Belt 10 at checkout, and get a discount on an already reasonably priced gi. Thanks for supporting the people who support this show. My thanks to the guests, Gustavo Dantas, the BJJ mental coach, Ryan Homer of Diego Bispo Academy, and Bryce Lighthall from Bruno Malfacini and Alliance. Next week's show is also going to be excellent. I'm talking with James 300 Foster, a third-degree black belt under Jiva Santana, also a black belt Masters World Champion and Renaissance man. We'll talk about his academy in Kent, Washington, about his passion for art, and much more. You can get the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Please subscribe so you don't miss anything. And if you do want to get a hold of us to suggest future show topics or ask a question, you can always email jeff at dirtywhitebelt.com or get at us on Instagram at dirtywhitebelt. This is Dirty White Belt Radio. My name is Jeff Shaw. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again on Sunday.